Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, I'm Michael Chakraverty. And I'm Mark Watson. And this is the Menkind Podcast. We're going to take a deep dive into masculinity, exploring what being a man actually means, along with a variety of brilliant guests. You know, men talking about men is a notoriously underrepresented area of podcasting. Not anymore. Well, here we are in March. Nah. March already, and we are in the same room, which is quite exciting. Yes, we're in the same room. The podcast has survived from winter into spring, which <laughs> not all of them do. And our friendship, too, has survived. It has blossomed cool. like the spring. That was a bit much, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that'll be cut out. So this week, <laughs> if not blossomed, it's at least, as I say, survived. Um, well, this week we spoke to uh, an American pop star. Yes, we had Vincent on, uh, who you may recognise from The Four, which is an American singing competition. Love it. We're pretty clumsy podcasters. It sounds like every interview I've ever been in. Good. All right, good. That's reassuring. That's perfect. Cool. Great. Well, shall we just start? Yeah. We'll just start. Okay, cool. You're doing it, aren't you? Am I doing it? Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, see? Professional. <laughs> if you haven't looked up Vincent singing The Creep, is it The Creep? Uh, just Creep. Just by Creep by Radiohead. Radiohead on YouTube. Do it right now. Pause this. Listen to it and then come back because it's just incredible. Vincent's voice is marvellous and our American listeners will probably already have seen him, heard him. If you haven't heard of him, please do go and research him because he's honestly wonderful. And You will soon anyway though, I think, because there's an album coming out. And uh, Yeah, yeah. He was the soundtrack to my summer last year, so lots to look forward to. Oh, that's to. the point. He uh, sang the song from Queer Eye, was it? He did sing the theme tune to Queer Eye. So his music will be familiar to many of our listeners, even if they don't yet know the name. But also, after you've listened to this, you will all go out and listen to his music because he really was inspirational. Yeah, I mean, beautiful person to gaze at over a Zoom, I have to say. Yeah, you don't get this side of it. This is uh, for us We get the visual delight, you get the audio delight. And he was very, very interesting to talk to. So yes, listen to Vincent now. Listen to Vincent and get an image of him that you can gaze at while you're listening. That's actually a good idea. Google a picture of him, then listen while, while gazing upon his beautiful... And then it'll be almost like you're in our lives. Good luck. Hello. So this week we are joined, obviously we, I mean me and Mark, who is always here, despite my best efforts. We are here with Vincent. Hello, Vincent. Hi. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Can you introduce yourself? Yes. I'm Vincent. I'm an artist, a singer and a songwriter and an overeater. But that's another story for another day. (laughs) We've all lived through that, I think, over the past. (laughs) You don't put overeater on your official resume, though. Yes, it is. (laughs) It's at the top of it. It's before everything else. It's it's the main thing you're known for. (laughs) How are you? Uh, Well, I mean, other than drinking copious amounts of wine, I am doing great. (laughs) That that is good to hear. Yeah. I'm a wine drinker, but there is this stereotype that people in LA never like don't drink or at least don't publicly drink or you know that's a lie let me tell you that good (laughs) my palate has been very very much opened and i am drinking every kind of wine i can find but i am 
I'm good. I'm, I mean, with the everything that's going on, I think this is probably the best I've been all year. I'm glad that everything's over. We have a no change of command. It's been, I'm happy right now. I mean, politically, America is going through a change. Tell me about it. We spoke to a guest in America the day after Biden was officially declared the winner. Well, and it, it was quite exciting. Yeah. How does that feel? It feels great. It's like a sitcom that has taken a very, very good turn. I'm like very much enjoying all of it. Yeah. We always start with the same question, which is taking you back to when you were younger, I suppose. When do you first remember the idea of masculinity being presented to you? When was the first time you kind of realized masculinity was a thing? So I grew up in a big household. Well, I have a big family. I have a bunch of siblings. And my dad, who was six, seven, that was my first introduction to masculinity and like what a man looked yeah. like. <laughs> so I would say it definitely was my father um, because I'm 5'11 and all of my other brothers are very, very tall. And I think my father definitely was my first introduction to masculinity and what that was supposed to look like. But then as I grew up and got to know him and I really understood what being a man was, it was really beautiful to see that it wasn't just being big and broad and like what that entailed. That broader definition, I suppose, what qualities did you ascribe to that? My dad was emotional, which I did not expect because I had seen other men in my life who did not show their emotions Mm -hmm. and were not kind when something bad happened or did not express emotion in general when things didn't go their way. And he was very much the sort to be like, hey, this is bad. And I want you to know why this is bad. And I don't want to hurt you because it's bad, but I want to know that you're hurting yourself because you could be doing better. It was communication, which is something that men don't do very well. Yeah, it's something we often talk about. Yeah. It's very, very just tragic. But he taught me that masculinity does not mean that you cut off everything that does not make you strong. Which is the opposite of what some people are taught as they grow up, I suppose. And, yeah. and so you must feel like some of your emotional aliveness comes from that, from that start in life, from having had a good example. Like we often ask people which men they admire. It sounds like your dad influenced you in a really positive way. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, I'm probably too emotional, which is not a thing, <laughs> but, but it, it didn't hinder me having that kind of influence in my life at a young age because I got to grow up knowing it's okay if you're upset and it's okay if you're sad and it's okay if you're scared. Feel it. Like, don't put it away. Don't, don't compartmentalize it because it's not, that's not health. That's not what health is. And that's not you being the best person that you can be. That's really interesting. And I think actually quite a unique perspective in terms of what we've heard of quite a lot during the course of these interviews. I am a dad. I have a, a son. And I think you spend a lot of time trying to control the emotions of your kid, whether you recognize yeah. it or not. Like if they're angry or sad or making any kind of scene, your instinct is to be like, all right, stop doing that. Yeah. It does not come naturally to most parents to say, the last thing I would say to my son is good, feel it. And not on purpose. It's <laughs> yeah. just that makes my life a lot harder. So, so I feel like that's a real lesson for me, actually. But that's the thing. My dad was very much like, how would I want someone to say it to me if I was feeling that way? Yeah. Because as an adult, you don't want someone to say to you, stop feeling that way. You're like, no, I'm going to feel this way because I'm entitled to feel that way. Yeah. Your children need the same thing because it's like, okay, great. If you tell me this now, what happens when it happens in my adult life and I don't know how to deal with it? Mm. And we see that all the time. You know? Yeah. And then I'm back in your house at 30 and you're like, oh, well, this is why I didn't like emotionally grow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when your parents used to say to you, well, stop being angry. And it's like, well, great. Well, I feel better now, don't I? Because I've just stopped. That's what a just... cure-all. Yeah, you, you can't magic emotions away. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Did you find that your peers were similar in their kind of response to their emotions and being able to express that when you're growing up? No, I was like doused in toxic masculinity 
like outside of my household. I went to Catholic <laughs> school from kindergarten until 12th grade. We were interested right. in that. Actually, we were talking about that. What a time. <laughs> <laughs> but I went to an all boys Catholic high school and it was filled with boys who had not even began to emotionally approach who they were as people. Hmm. Not just men, but like who they were as human beings and what that meant for them and what that expression meant for them. It was interesting to see. And also because I'm like, I laugh at everything because I think everything's really funny, even like really dark things. <laughs> so like someone being like overly toxic and overly masculine is like comedy to me because I'm just like, you're you're putting on a show and like, calm down. Like, we get it. You got a big dick. Like, relax. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we get it. Yeah. Like, don't do not do too much. Yeah, fine. We'll just all admire your dick and move on. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, I'm here. I'm happy for you. Godspeed. <laughs> so how did, when you were younger, were you confident to kind of express that to your peers? Or did you just kind of leave them to it and just kind of get on with your own? Yeah. Have you always been able to see through people's, like, performance and the falsehood of the way they behave in this way, do you think? I think so, yeah. Because when I was little, I was very, very shy and mm. quiet. I saw everything and I thought a lot about things. I just never expressed them. I just wanted to really get my own thoughts on them. And my parents were really good at being teachers in the aspect of you figure out what you want to think that this is and you can come to us and talk to us about it. We can give you what we think it is or what it actually may be, but you do you first and then come to us and we'll tell you if it's bad. Yeah. So I got to be able to just really decipher what everything was and how I felt about it. For me, it was easy because I was, Quiet but confident. Yeah. Like I wasn't gonna take shit. And that was always the case with everything. My sexuality, who I was, how I looked, how I dressed. It was very much, I'm gonna do what I wanna do. And if you don't like it, we can have a conversation about it. I'm gonna win because I'm still gonna be me. <laughs> but we can talk about it for sure. Yeah. They're not gonna defeat you in the argument about who you were meant to be no. on this earth. Absolutely not. You mentioned your sexuality there. How was that growing up? I mean, lots of queer people talk about a struggle when they were growing up with who they were, but it sounds like you're saying you felt a bit more confident and comfortable. The conversation of my sexual preference never came up in my house. Wow. And not because it was a taboo conversation. It was just who I was. And I was shy but confident and probably too confident with my parents when I asked my mom if I could have a boy over to watch a movie and we were younger. And, and she was like, oh, of course. And I was like, it's a date. And she's like, are you sure it's a date? And I said, no, I'm positive. <laughs> Make the popcorn. This is what it is. Because it wasn't a conversation with my other siblings. It was never brought up with them who they were having over for like a hangout or like a sleepover. It was never that kind of conversation. So I, and for myself, I said, oh, this isn't a conversation for me either then, because this is just what I like. And, and if you don't think it's all right, that's something you have to deal with. Again, we can have a conversation. <laughs> yeah, we can have the conversation, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm quite underconfident. I feel like I need we can have a conversation about this as a catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't like it, we can have a conversation. I need to start saying this. We can have a conversation for sure. Always. Did you have those conversations at school? I mean, an all boys school could be quite intense, I imagine. I mean, as I got older, this mouth got a lot more reckless. <laughs> <laughs> because if you're a kid with a lot of thoughts, eventually those thoughts start to manifest into words. And so I dealt with a lot of people not being okay with who I was and not knowing how to deal with that. And then in that meaning their fear and their insecurities came out towards me. But I was quick to shut that shit down because I have absolutely no time for that. Because it's like, you could be happy and figure out who you are, or you could come into my life and try to control it. And that's a huge no-no for me. So I just nipped it in the bud at the beginning where it was like, hey, you have a problem with who I am. Do you want to talk about it? And it was usually like, yeah, I think it's wrong. And I'm like, okay, great. So how do you feel after that? Did you change anything? <laughs> yeah. Did anything alter in your world? You know, because I'm still the same. So how do you feel? And then it was more so either they accepted that or they were like, I don't know how to deal with this. So I'm going to go off and be grumpy and stupid and the big boy. And I'm like, 
great. That's what you need for you. Yeah. I'm going to go on a date, but like, thank you so much. We've talked before, and I think it's true about how uh, people attacking your way of life or your identity are nearly always compensated for something that they know is missing from themselves. Oh, yeah, always. Like you say, what are they going to gain from being aggressive to you, really, other than trying to fill some hole that they're not aware exists? Yeah, and what I also learned is it's not just fear and insecurity, it's curiosity. Uh-huh. Mm. Like, you would not jump into a lion's den, you know what I mean? That's not something you're going to willingly do. So you want to talk about it and you want to know more about it, you just don't know how to do it. Would you say it's a quite a male thing to react with anger in place of curiosity like react with anger just from a lack of knowing how else to do stuff i would say it's it's predominantly a male thing because women do the same thing especially in the community that i grew up in it's it's a fear-based thing it's i have had friends or had friends when i was younger who knew who i was and accepted who i was and then someone else found out about who i was and because the fear of being shunned by others they in turn shunned me. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a, it's not just a male thing. It's wanting to be included in some kind of community that makes you feel safe. And then when you don't feel safe or you feel the outsider, it's a human instinct to be against whatever's on the outside. Yeah. yeah. Whatever the margin doesn't gear towards, you know? It's really lovely to hear a story from a queer person who was just, it was fine. It's kind of like you have this model childhood that all those queer people want, where it's not treated as a big deal. Did you have many close male friends at that all-boys school? Were there people who you kind of formed a tribe with? I don't want to put forth the, the story that it was just an easy childhood, because I grew up in a community that was very, very violent and very, very crime-ridden. So it wasn't right. easy, but I think having all of that around me made me strong. So that is why I think I was able to get through things and deal with people who weren't from that background trying to come at me or trying to change who I was because it was like, I'm already dealing with all of this. Mm. So you are a walk in the park. Right. You know what I mean? I've seen worse stuff than you. Exactly. So like, this is a joke, (laughs) but I grew up around a bunch of boys in my grandmother's neighborhood who at a young age saw who I was and it was addressed once. And because of the community that we were in, it was very much, if you can fight, then you can hang in the group. And that was the first question I was asked. And it was like, can you fight? And it was like, I can fight. Don't worry about that. And then it was never addressed again. And, but I also learned through the mother of these boys, her name was Miss Debbie. And she would always come to me and she'd say, my boys love you. They think you're great. Stick up for yourself. And because I, I think she, she thought I would be the runt of the group because I was gay or because she was a little afraid that they would kind of pick on me. And I was like, Debbie, you don't have to worry. I will kick your kid's ass and take <laughs> you out of line. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they knew who I was and they saw it and they protected it and they were they were also protective of me when it came to other people because they were like no that doesn't make him anything less it only makes him different and not in a bad way he's just not the same as us but if you mess with him we'll deal with you and that in in hindsight gave me a bunch of confidence as well that's really like it's really amazing it's very different from a lot of the queer guests that we've had i think the majority i mean different from my life as well i mean i didn't come out till i was 19 and a lot of that was actually to do with my own feelings about being gay not actually my environment i mean my family was very open and always had been to the extent that mum would ask me if i had boyfriends as well as asking if i had girlfriends um but i was just like no 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 (laughs) and i just didn't talk about it (laughs) yeah well we're british to be fair well very 
But it's really fascinating to hear about somebody and who is so comfortable, I suppose, in their own skin. Yeah, it's not just that you were so well supported. It feels as if you knew who you were and what you wanted extremely early in life. Is that true? Like a lot of people, for whatever reason, either hide the conclusion from themselves that they that they're queer, or they they literally don't know, or they do know, but they're like it's, it's quite rare to hear. Have you known who you were and what you were about, kind of as long as you can remember? It's very strange. My mother always says that she goes, I don't know how you knew, but you knew from day one yeah. who you were. And there was no changing that. It had a lot to do with my upbringing. And my parents were instrumental in who I am now today because they just let me be, you know, as opposed to like letting your child just figure it out. Mm-hmm. There was structure and there was rules, but it was also you make the rules for you. We will let you know what the rules for society are, but it was very much so you know who you are, tell us and don't let us tell you. Because me telling you who you are is not going to help you at all. Mm. Which again is a fantastic approach to parenting. And yeah. Yeah. Because it's just, it's the easiest way for me to feel like a, like a person as opposed to, because I think we get caught into the construct of you are my child and what I want for you is what I want for you. And if you don't want that, maybe we can figure out a way to get what you want and also what I want. And it's like, that is the best way to break a person because you take my dreams Yeah. And my thoughts and my wants and my needs and you make them yours instead of just figuring out what yours are and letting me grow into mine, you know? Yeah. And they, they helped me a lot with that. My mother still to this day is very much a huge confidant and an advice giver when it comes to just being myself and really going after what I want. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You rose to a lot of prominence on a reality TV show in America, which we don't have here in Britain, but I believe it's called The Four. Thank God. (laughs) Oh, we have YouTube. We've seen it. (laughs) But what I found fascinating from reading, because I've been doing some stalking, or some people call it uh, research. Love that. It does often seem like stalking the way you approach it, Michael. Honestly, very much. (laughs) (laughs) But about how you carried that kind of understanding of who you were, what you wanted, and asking for what you wanted into the casting process, I suppose, into the four. Could you talk about that a bit? Because I think it's really fascinating. Of course. Precursor, I hate reality TV singing shows. (laughs) I think they are 
terrible things. And they came to you, right? They headhunted you, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So they approached me. So what happened? There's like, if you know anything about the reality TV shows, there's a whole process before the TV, like you know. Uh-huh. And so they came to me twice, and I said no. And my manager at the time was like, "You need this," because like I was selling out shows in LA, but they were like small venues. And I was doing okay. I had a cool following, and some people listening to my music. And he was like, "You should do this because the platform is great." And I was like, "Do you know that every time I've ever seen a singing show, if there's someone gay on the show, they are immediately like the butt of the joke, or there's like some rinky dink music when they come on the screen, and it's like, look at these two, and like look how." funny they look or look how like feminine they are look how outrageously gay they are and it's like that's all good things why are you making it sound like it's a bad thing because you don't understand it and so the third time they came I said if I do this we have to be able to change the contract and they were like great we don't know who you think you are but if you want to try this you can try it and so they sent the contract over and what I had put in the contract is I said there is no making fun of me there will be no jokes. There will be no side swipes. There'll be no rinky dink music when I come on. And you will let me say and be who I am. There will be no changing that. And so they agreed and I went into the process. I sang and they were like, great, we love you. Get ready for the show. And within, it happened very, very fast. Like I did the audition the first day. They like sequestered me away for maybe two days in this hotel to get like briefed and do all this B-roll. And I went onto the set and one of the producers was like, oh, you're, um, you're the gay contestant. Oh. And I immediately was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let's try again. We talked about this. I'll just show you my contract, actually, and you'll find that I'm not. <laughs> exactly. I had someone come over and like, please let him know that I will leave. And um, God, I wish I could say that in a sentence just once in my life. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, I don't need to be here because I didn't come looking for you. You came looking for me. Yeah. And so I got out and I was able to get on and just sing. Mm. Because I wanted kids who are LGBTQ plus to be able to see someone who they can resonate with. And little black boys and girls who are LGBTQ plus specifically to see that it is okay to be who you are. It doesn't take away from your person or your identity or you, it's beautiful just standing in your truth and using the gift that you have. Mm. And it went over well. And I'm happy that I had the chance to do it. Would I ever do it again? Fuck no. (laughs) But it was great to do because I got to be some sort of beacon of light for someone out there, you know? And I, that always makes me happy. And I'm really proud that I was able to do it. When you was that small black kid, were there people who did that for you? Were there equivalent figures? I guess not as many on TV for a start. Not many black men. I mean, like Billy Porter was out there, but I didn't know much about Billy mm. Porter at the time because at the time that I was younger, he was being blacklisted for being gay. Yeah. And so I didn't really see anyone. And But I had a lot of, like, I loved the divas. Like, I loved Mariah and Whitney and pop princesses like Britney and Beyonce and Destiny's Child because they were women and they, this, the plight was the same. It was, let me be me without you trying to change that. And then also look how great I am, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, I, I can resonate with that. You know what I mean? And they were, the, they were going through the same thing. So I resonated so strongly with these women. And I was like, okay, great. That's what I'm going to look at. That's what I'm going to model myself after because they're going through so much and they're still shining. Yeah, really interesting that you bring up the, the iconic divas because that is a big thing, especially with queer men, is that they look up to these women like Diana Ross and Kylie and Madonna and Gaga. Do you think that's because queer men resonate with that struggle that they have? Is that the reason you think that there's that huge movement towards them? Of course, because I, I mean, like, you can count on your hand how many gay super pop stars there are. Even before the Sam Smiths and mm. like there's George Michael, there's Freddie Mercury there, but 
also remember, they never came out as gay at the beginning. They were never able to. That's right. Yeah, it's a different thing. So there was never a model to see in history of, oh, look at this gay icon. Like, you know, there are there are plenty of gay male stars. And I don't mean to say that Sam Smith's a gay male star. I know that they are they them. And it just wasn't a model. There was nothing to see. But you could, I think, gay men resonate with women because it's the same plight in a way. Or obviously, women go through a lot more mm. just being women in general. But it, we can resonate with straight men thinking that femininity and self-expression and being glamorous without hesitation mm. and speaking your truth without fear of being ridiculed is all things gay men res- resonate with with women because straight men are predominantly monsters when it comes to that. So it's it's just, <laughs> it's tough when you don't see yourself up there. So that's why you find the closest thing that you can. And so these women happen, and I, I'm sure not by choice, but became beacons. And that's why they're so mm. huge in the gay community. It's like, you were the ones who saved this. And when you hear people go, Cher saved me because Cher was the only woman during her time wearing fucking leotards that were see-through. You know, it's like, to be able to go out and express yourself the way that you want to and be unashamed was unheard of. Honestly, that's a, it's something I've never properly thought through, but I think you've articulated it in a really, really wonderful way. And like, obviously you mentioned Sam Smith and it's wonderful that they're out there, but there still aren't those really high profile people who are members of the LGBTQ plus community. You being on the four was an element of representation in that way, like you said. What was the response like? I'm assuming there was positive and negative. What did that feel like? I think the first night I did the show, I, I went to the hotel room and I turned on my Instagram and... I probably had like maybe 7,000 followers. And within the first hour of it airing, I went up like 20,000 followers and the messages wow. started, like my phone broke because the thing wouldn't stop doing the, the counting and the adding. And so I woke up the next day to a bunch of messages and I was just like crying in the room because I like didn't really understand what I had done. And I also didn't really understand the impact that it would have on them and on me because I was just like, I'm tired of seeing what I don't see happening and then I realized oh maybe there are other people who are also tired of seeing this and it wasn't just young people it was people my age people older and it was just this is good this is a good thing and I got some bad comments but it's also the good outweighed the bad yeah by a long shot and so it was so nice to see people being like I'm gonna try this now and I'm gonna go for this I'm gonna give it a shot because I saw you do this and I'm gonna do it a hundred percent myself I'm not gonna mince words about who I am and that was really nice to see and not mincing those words about who you are is obviously really important to you and is important I suppose in the world even listening to your music hearing you sing a male pronoun every time I hear it I go oh like a little part of me kind of just like like pops just a wee bit and that's amazing but have you found that there have been extra barriers to you in the pop world following the four I mean as a black gay man have there been additional barriers I mean obviously there have been but can you can you describe them potentially to us oh yeah I mean Black people don't do pop, according to the pop world. Do you know what I mean? Pop is a white thing. I've heard you speak before about how very specifically you feel like, I'm going to do pop, this is what I actually want to do. And it makes so much sense now, having heard you talk about how pop represents people very purely being who they are. Yeah. But also, yeah, the music industry, like a lot of industries, has a very, very set way that it likes things to be done, I guess. Oh, for sure. Pop is pop is Britney Spears, pop is Taylor Swift, pop is not Beyonce, even though Beyonce is probably the most popular. Quite. Pop is <laughs> yeah. not... She's had a pretty popular career, yeah. (laughs) She's done okay. She's done pop all her life. Yeah. But it's changing, and I'm hoping that it is changing faster than I think it is. I find myself having to work a little bit harder and to do a little bit more to get a little bit less. Yeah. 
I'm not complaining because I do well for myself and I'm happy that I have a fan base. I trained all my life for this. My dad was a singer. He trained me since I was little and I've wanted to do this all my life. And there are other little boys and girls and non-binary children who want to be pop stars, who deserve to be pop stars and have that experience and have that life and be that beacon so that we can get past conversations like this. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? We're, imagine a time where you don't have to ask this question. Oh my gosh, 100%, yeah. yeah. Like, oh my God, like, that's what I look forward to. I mean, we'll need to think of something else to do a podcast about, but. But then you can have the conversation of like, look where we are. Of course, yeah. yeah. As opposed to. It would be great to, yeah, not have to have any barriers that we need to analyze in this way. Like what a thought, you know? Where does it come from, this idea that black people don't do pop? Is it just that this is what we've always done, so this is what we're gonna keep doing? Or like, like why do people. Shall we say the word urban? Yeah, I, talk I, about the word urban. Urban. I'm just as a white guy, I'm interested in it because I think you're like I'd automatically say Beyonce was pop, but I recognise the truth that that's not how the industry. I, I just wonder where it comes from. What's it about? Is it purely as simple as our oh, black people have always done soul and R and B or whatever, or is it is there something else behind it? Yeah, it's what you said. It's always been this way, so that's the way it needs to be. But it's also a recognition of maybe we don't do it as well as they do. So right. we need to keep this to ourselves. Okay, they're keeping a lid on you. It's very much that. I mean, it's always been that. Like, look at the quality of it. Look at performers side to side and see what you see. And I hate to do that because music and art shouldn't be put that way. Uh-huh. But when there's such inequality and pay gap and in visibility, it needs to be said. It's not just because it's always been this way, so it needs to be this way. It's because maybe if we change the tide, then... What happens to us? Yeah. What will it become? It's about self-preservation. Self-preservation in every way, but it's getting old. And the best thing about media right now is that we don't need major labels to be seen. Mm. You know, I'm tired of being poor. (laughs) It's definitely a massive change, like in all fields of art and creativity, basically. The, The old gatekeepers don't have the power they used to because the gates aren't the same, because the internet is... It should mm. be like it's much more democratic in a way in that way i think that's exciting yeah. it's exciting to feel that no one gets to choose what we all listen to anymore isn't it beautiful but with all of that endless hitting your head on this ceiling that people are putting down on top of you all the time how do you maintain that hope and that drive to push forward how do you stay positive in the face of frankly all the shit <laughs> yeah you seem so positive as a person and it is something that both of us are openly envious of <laughs> um <laughs> What you said about the ceiling is I leave the building. Yeah. I go and start to build my own. Amazing. You get on a trampoline. You know, the only way that you can do something that feels fulfilling to you and that is gratifying to yourself is to do it and make it your own. And so the idea of me sitting in a room where I'm the product, the brand, the CEO, and the consumer as well, and being told that I have to listen to someone else doesn't really work for me. Yeah. Especially when I'm bringing all the talent. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) And so... I'm going to go and I'm going to do it myself. Now, is it going to be harder? Will it take a little longer? Yeah, of course. Did I think that I'd be a pop star at 22? Of course. (laughs) Couldn't have told me that I wasn't going to be. But I'm doing well now and it's only going to get better because I understand now what I need to do. Do I welcome help eventually? Yes. Do I have a team around me that is really, really confident and strong and really pushing forward? Yes. It's understanding that what you have to offer means more than what they have to say. It's really inspirational hearing you talking like this. I think that's partly why so many people look up to you, I suppose, on social media and, and you are seen as this, this beacon of positivity and of change 
because you're making your own change. You're not waiting for it to happen yeah. to you. I find it a useful thing to hear as well because I've been doing comedy and I've been in entertainment a long time, but you do lose sight of the fact that you are, you have to be your own product. You, you do very easily accept the advice of people who think that they know what you are better than you. Like I'm 40, I should not be still falling into these traps, but that dependence on other people to shape things for you is a thing that all of us fall into. Yeah, it's a human thing. It doesn't matter about your age, it's a human thing. Because as human beings, we always want to know what's better or do better or be more productive or be more successful. And people who have more money or more platform, it's easy to listen to them and think, you know what you're talking about because you've done this longer. Uh-huh. Everyone who has always started a business on their own has never known exactly how it was going to turn out. Yeah. But they did it. And of course they failed, but they kept doing it and they kept doing it. And so that's what I model my business after. It's, I don't know how this is going to be. But I know that I'm really good. And I know that I like these songs. And I know if anyone else likes these songs, then that's that's an audience. And if they like it, chances are there is someone else who'll like it too. Mm. You know, it may take a little bit longer, but I'm so proud that it's mine. I don't have to answer to anyone. I don't have to be held to the standard of, you need to do this because this is how it is. And it's like, no, 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 I'm going to do it because this is how I know it's going to work. I think that's really interesting. Thinking of those children who look at you as this kind of beacon of hope, do you feel there's any pressure on that to kind of be visibly living an authentic version of yourself? I always say this. Yes, I'm very positive. And yes, I have like times where I'm like, you can do it. <laughs> but I also have times where I'm like, fuck this. And I don't want to do it. And I don't, I don't like this. And I'm really sad and I hate it. And I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I always say this and whenever I'm asked this question because it's, so serious to me, I am not your parent. I am not responsible for the decisions you make. Mm. You can look at me and see what I do and think, oh, that's cool, maybe I'll give it a try. If you don't make it- It's not your fault. That's not my fault. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? If you do make it, I'm not responsible for that. Yeah, everyone has to live their life. You did that, that's yours. I'm always weirded out when people are like, we're gonna cancel this TV show because my kid's watching this and this is an influence in their lives. And it's like, you are your child's greatest influence. Mm. And even if you are a kid who doesn't have parents, what they see around them, that is a choice that that human being has to make on their own. Like my mom always says, when I moved out to go to college, she said, you know it's right, so just do right. Because you know, if you do wrong, like my mom will always be like, if you go to prison, do not call me, because I don't come to prison. Like she was like, she was very clear. She was very much like, I've raised you to do what's right. You know what's right because you feel it, so do what's right. You know, it's not a hard thing to do to be kind to someone, to understand people's uh, emotions and have empathy for them. It's not hard to do that, but it, it's also not hard to, to make a decision on your own. People put a lot of stress on other people. And that's why I think celebrities get, I'm not a celebrity. Let me be very clear. I'm not calling myself a celebrity at all. What I'm saying is- You are to us. Yay! <laughs> people put a lot of stress on people who have platforms and who are celebrities because it's like, you did this and look at how my life turned out. And it's like, Girl, nobody told you to drink that alcohol. No one told you to get behind the wheel of that car. No one told you to go for this dream that you didn't know how to do. Yeah, That's a choice. Yeah, everyone has choices. You know, I want to be a positive life with people. And I think that that's great. But there are also be times where I don't want to be. Like sometimes I will want to be sad and I want to sit in my house and I don't want to give you inspiration because I'm not inspired. <laughs> yeah. And that should be okay, you know? Yeah. I'm not responsible for who you are as a human being. That is your responsibility. I hope that I can 
help. Yeah, you're not some sort of inspiration machine that people can like just press a button on. This is not the Ellen show. Like, this is not who I'm trying to be. You know what I mean? <laughs> not sure anyone is at the moment. Uh, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you draw a lot of inspiration from your parents and the way they've raised you to be confident in yourself. If you were a parent and you were looking at a young boy, what three qualities would you want that boy to grow up with to be best equipped in this world that we live in? Compassion. Oh, I worded that really well. Well done, me. That <laughs> <laughs> was great. He sometimes like he's quite. We're both quite shy people, but occasionally in one of these podcasts, he a look comes over his face, and you could, maybe he's channeling you because both of us need to be a bit more like you. In terms, it was perfect. It was so nice. Said, wow, good for you. He looks so happy. Honestly, I could leave now. That's at the no more podcasts. <laughs> I peaked. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted. You said compassion to start. Compassion, empathy, and respect why was that last one the hardest one to say <laughs> because i wanted to say also responsibility because that's a big thing for me like taking responsibility for wh- how i take things in what i put out how i affect others and how i'm affected so maybe um empathetic responsibility can be like a half one because it's i think it's very important missing in a lot of human beings taking responsibility for the way that they feel and the way that they make others feel. I, yeah. Because you can't control how someone does feel, but you can control how you make them feel. Yeah. And you can also control how much effort you put into understanding how they feel, which is what we're talking about, I guess. Exactly. Empathy has come up several times in these chats and it feels, I'm not saying that we're like great guys or anything, but it feels... I don't know. I'm, I'm you, oh, okay. you've had an amazing few minutes, of course, because <laughs> of that great question. So, to me, it feels like, a quality that I do have but I also think it's almost incredible that anyone would not have it because if you're not constantly trying to understand what is in the minds and hearts of other people then I don't know what the hell you are doing really but the reason we have to keep having these conversations is because it's not as common as you think it's a skill you have to build it's a strange thing because we're all born with empathy and we're all like when you see a baby and you start to cry the baby starts to cry yeah you know what I mean because it's like children are very receptive yeah it's beaten out of you as you grow up it's nullified in you as you grow and yeah, it, it's sad to see because you need it. And it's, it's so, it's so necessary in becoming a whole human being. It's very interesting. People often say about children that they do not like young children don't have empathy because they have not developed intellectually enough to think about what other people might want or need and stuff, which may be true on an emotional level when they're like nine or something. But as you say, before that, there's a stage where all of us so instinctively that's all that's there yeah that's all you can your skin is so thin that whatever someone else does you basically imitate it you're instinctively empathizing the whole time and then as you say that goes because well it does beating out of you is the right phrase i think the world does not encourage you to think about other people in that way yeah it's sad but we're working on it (laughs) really yeah yeah especially you (laughs) (laughs) it's been really wonderful talking to you i mean i think it's been so wonderful hearing a story of a young queer person who believed in who they were from such a young age and had a family that cultivated that and i think that cultivation of kindness and of confidence and of comfort within who you are as a person i think is truly truly inspirational me too and even like not as a queer person it's been great for me to just talk to someone who has the discipline of saying fuck you i'm pretty good because i'd love to be able to do that more but you can like you can say that that's fine that's okay you are really good at what you do that's fine always remember that well i might record a bit of this and keep it on my phone and like (laughs) listen to it every day or something yeah Yeah. do it thank you so much for joining us vincent of course do you have anything you'd like us to plug 
I'm working on an album right now. That's what I'm doing. So that's, you can plug that. There's an album coming. Oh, wow. How far away? Not that far away. <laughs> but there's already music on Spotify and Apple Music and all those kind of platforms. Yeah. Fab. I'm looking forward to that album. I'm excited. Thank you so much Thank for joining you. us, Vincent. Have a lovely day. Thank you for having me. Bye, guys. And we're back in the studio with me and Mark. Well, I'm Michael still. He's still Mark. I hope you enjoyed that episode. We thought it was really, really wonderful to listen to. I like the idea of building a new house if you don't like the one that you're in already. I like it as a metaphor. I don't want to actually build a new house at any point. No, I have always wanted to do a grand designs thing, actually. It's always been on my list. Of course Uh, you have. I've got a little Pinterest board. (laughs) So we've had lots of lovely messages coming through both on our Instagram and our Twitter, which are at MenkindPodcast, or our email address, which is MenkindPodcast at gmail.com. I think Mark's going to read a couple. Yeah. Yeah, so this one is from somebody called uh, Nicola Chakraverti. Oh, what an unusual name. (laughs) Normally, (laughs) it's only at the start of a podcast that your mum has to write in to get the ball rolling. But she has. Good luck to your mum. She's taken about 15 episodes to work out whether she does like it or not. But here is the fan mail. Biased, I know, she says, but I am so enjoying your podcast and look forward to them every Monday. You compliment each other perfectly and your conversations are fascinating, entertaining, inspiring and thought-provoking. I think she's deliberately given us a few um, synonyms How did she introduce it? Was it Michael and Mark or Mark and Michael? Well, she said, hi, Michael and Mark, the only order I'm allowed to use. So she's basically fallen into line. (laughs) She also says, this is a lovely quote, although I've tried to bring up my children to love themselves for who they are and be whoever they want to be, I've never really allowed myself to do that. Your podcast has inspired me to be kinder to myself. That's your mum. Isn't that men kind? Amazing. I'd be very surprised if I have that effect on my mum. Well, let's get your mum to write in next week and see what she has to say. Of course, yeah. (laughs) Um, So thank you to Michael's mum. But even if you're not related to us, you can still write in. As long as you direct it to Michael and Mark, which is the given way. Next week, we have Rufus Hound. There's a certain breed of man that does make me go slightly, if not weak at the knees, but weak at the soul where they seem like genuinely physically tough and physically strong, but they're also listening to the people around them and that it is their presence and there is a sort of manliness. Like, there's an aura, um, like a, a Herculean ideal of a man. Are there any of those men that you can that you looked up to either, I suppose, growing up or now? Like, Can you name any? Name names, Rufus. Name the names. Yeah, who are these Hercules um, figures? Are you looking at them right now? I what? mean, what do you think about? Um, well... <laughs> um... <laughs> Rufus, of course, a man of many parts, comedian, actor, friend of ours. And part of the strangest series of Dancing on Ice there has ever been. Briefly in Dancing on Ice until it was wiped out by COVID, yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, He uh, had plenty to say. We'll leave it at that. Yes, something to look forward to. We'll see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 